Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Piwoli, Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We'd like to remind you that we have plenty of past episodes, so please subscribe and catch up on some that you may have missed. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. From time to time on our podcast series, we'd like to feature CIA members who have interesting experiences working outside of Canada, and in some instances, they can accomplish that without actually leaving the country. Jean Cloutier, VP of International Operations at Fairfax Financial Holdings, is one of these individuals, and he joins us today. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Glad to be with you, Chris, and looking forward to our chat today. That's great. And to start off, I was just hoping you could give everyone a bit of background on your current role, and maybe just explain to us a little bit about Fairfax's operations. Absolutely. So Fairfax Financial Holdings Limited is Canadian-based. We were founded in 1985, and our founder is still the current chairman and CEO, Mr. Prem Watsa. We are a publicly traded company on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Our business really is mostly non-life business. We do very little life. So the PNC is our world. For 2022, gross written premiums of over $28 billion, and that's U.S. dollars. And more importantly, we now operate in over 50 uh, countries. So I think, Chris, that kind of gives you a little bit of a feel about, you know, Fairfax. We're, we're a small group here in, in Toronto at the holding company. But, you know, our reach continues to uh, to grow. And, you know, that's kind of what we've been building since 1985. Okay, great. Now, at the start, I mentioned that you've been able to do a lot of international work while you've stayed physically in Canada. So I'm really curious, how were you able to accomplish that? I spend most of my time in airplane. It's probably the best way to uh, describe it, Chris. It was important to me to have a base, both on a personal and professional basis. And and Toronto works out as a very good point for that base. Easy to travel to almost any part of the world. So I didn't really have to move anywhere. I was able from Toronto to cover all these countries. But as I said, this is you know, something that where I spend, as I said, most of the time traveling. To give you a feel, probably three weeks out of four in a month that I am on the road. So that's the model that works for me. I can say that it's not necessarily the only model, but because of the number of countries I have to cover, to have the base here in Toronto makes more sense for me and and makes it a lot easier, as I said, both professionally and also personally. So is it fair to say that you enjoy flying or is it just a cost of doing business? I still, and people ask me that question very often, to this day, I still love getting into an airplane. Now, it's not always been easy. And for those who travel either professionally or personally, you know, can be very frustrating. But that's something that I've learned over the years. You know, a lot of it is outside my control. But I still love it. As I say, I still have a thrill getting into an airplane. 
you know, mostly because I, you know, I get to visit a number of countries, see our operations, visit potential partners and potential opportunities. So the travel part is still something that I enjoy very much. Oh, good. I can certainly relate to that because I enjoy flying myself. So let's get into some of the countries you visited, uh, some of the organizations you've worked with, and institutions overseas. Maybe uh, give us a few examples of uh, who you've worked with over the past few years. I can say maybe to start, and you know, we keep track here. I've visited now over, I think I'm at 53 countries officially. And it's not just transit. I have to physically have been in the country, stay overnight. So we're at uh, 53. So for sure, that has allowed me to work with a lot of different organizations. Starts, you know, with the regulatory bodies in each of the country. We do business. Insurance is heavily regulated. So we tend to visit regulators. I also make a point and that might not seem obvious, but I also make a point to visit our embassies. Canada is represented in most of these countries, and I make a point very early on to meet with our Canadian embassy staff, and I've got relationship with many of our ambassadors. So that's also a group of people that I interact with. And then since we're talking actuaries and actuarial world here. A lot of my time also is to work with local actuarial association and understand the the talent that exists, uh, but also, and hopefully we can touch on that, help. And, uh, And we've spent, and I've spent personally, time trying to help develop the actuarial profession in a lot of the countries, especially countries that are rapidly developing. So these are kind of maybe uh, give you a sense of who I would interact with. And as I mentioned, you know, our reach is now Asia, you know, I can mention, you know, Hong Kong, Singapore, you know, Thailand, uh, Indonesia are some of the countries. India is very important to us. We're in Central and Eastern Europe, Poland, Hungary, Czech Republic, some of the countries, Latin America, Brazil, Colombia, Chile. Uh, We're in 14 countries in the Middle East, and I've started personally. COVID put a little delay in it, looking at developing Africa. So through this, you know, we've met quite a number of people and groups that we've been interacting with, but it starts, as I said, there's the political, diplomatic, there's the business, and there's the actuarial, which would probably be the three main buckets in terms of our interaction around the world. Do you have a favorite country you've been to? I can't say because people are will be listening to this, uh, Chris. So <laughs> okay. if I mention a country... It's like asking who's your favorite child. Uh, I can't. I say I love my work. You know, every country has something to offer. I meet incredible people. So, yeah, no, there's definitely not a specific country that I, you know, that I say I love more than any of the other one. Some are easier to do business than others. That's for sure. But I still enjoy, you know, visiting them and, and spending time with our people as well, which is a big part of what I do. Okay, fair enough. Now, you do have your FCIA designation, but I see you've also earned fellowship designations in other countries. I'm really curious about what was the process for doing that and how did it benefit you to have those designations? So over the years, I've gotten designation and I'm 
can mention a few countries, Singapore, Thailand, and I'm currently a qualified actuary in India. So that's been, you know, interesting, you know, process for me. First thing I say, I'm too old to write exams. So that's my first requirement. If I need to write exams, I'm not there. I've done that and I would take a pass. But in most countries, the local actuarial organizations will recognize certainly my Canadian Institute of Actuary Fellowship. I'm also a member of the, obviously, the Casualty Actuarial Society being a non-life actuary. But I will say the CIA designations, it's pretty well recognized, you know, around the world. So what it comes down to is more in terms of professionalism update, which, you know, certainly without, with my experience is not necessarily a big issue. Ethical concepts, some are pretty unique in some of the, uh, you know, some of the countries. So that tends to be kind of the main requirements that I have to fulfill in a number of countries. And, you know, the benefit to me is mainly, you know, related to when we evaluate business and work with our business. That gives me a lot more context because I need, I need to maintain a level of knowledge like I need to do in, in Canada to maintain my designation. So that kind of forces me to make sure I really get into a lot more details and understanding some of the practices and some of the issues that are related to a number of countries also allows me to get to know the local uh, actuarial professionals and associations. So it's benefited me greatly, certainly on the professional side in terms of expanding my knowledge and the issues that we face in a number of countries. Some are pretty common probably to most countries, sometimes might be a little unique to, uh, to a specific country. So that Chris has worked out, you know, very well. As I say, I don't write exams anymore, but uh, that so far, I think has worked okay for me. Now, you mentioned that CIA designations are recognized around the world. I'm always curious how Canadian actuaries and actuarial practice are perceived in other countries. So I was hoping you could tell us a bit about uh, your experiences with that. The Canadian Institute, uh, it's probably one of the standard in terms of the actuarial profession, uh, you know, around the world. Um, so I think we are looked up with very high regards in terms of our knowledge and how broad our knowledge is, in terms of the discipline that we have to go through to get to that level and the rigor. So that's something they see uh, very quickly and they recognize. And, and a lot of the local association have contacts, I know, with, with the Canadian Institute, and I certainly encourage it because I think as Canadian actuaries, we, we have a lot to, to bring. And, and that I will uh, extend well to our regulatory environment and, and under the OSFI regulation, certainly in the insurance industry, that's also pretty well recognized and known in terms of around the world. So everywhere I go, and uh, I certainly encourage all these different associations or group of actuaries, and, and a lot of them have actually have, or some have Canadian Institute designation. We should be proud in terms of the, the role we play and the importance we play around the world. All right, and final question for you. Do you have any advice for Canadian actuaries 
who would like to get more international exposure? Well, I've been very fortunate, uh, I think, working for an organization, Canadian organization that operates in so many countries. And uh, like I say, that's one model, you know, that does work for me. But I would, I would certainly, and and we actually do that, uh, Chris. Uh, here is we we do encourage and we do send tutorial staff on internship, you know, in different organizations. So we do encourage our actuaries to move around a bit. So I I would encourage anybody that has the opportunity to spend time overseas or in a different country. I think. It's a win-win. You know, we see it as a win for the individual. We see it as a win for the corporation. And we do it here at Fairfax and within our subsidiaries, encourage anybody to kind of see the world. And I think we should be proud to be members of the Canadian Institute. And uh, certainly it's worked well for me. I would encourage anyone to take that opportunity. Okay, very good. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. It was my pleasure, Chris. Thank you. And just a reminder that if any of you have ideas for a future episode or would like to contribute to our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, we would love to hear from you. Contact information can be found in the show description. Until next time, I'm Chris Piboli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.